Welcome spooks and spirits, ghouls and ghosts. Take a seat around the campfire. But beware, this podcast is haunted. Deck the halls, it's Christmas time again, because it's snowing a lot and we'll never stop. I think we should move Christmas later. I think I already brought this up on a previous episode. (laughs) I think we should skip Valentine's Day. Just have a second Halloween. Do, 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 do. Oh, is this trademark? No, it's not. Welcome, everybody. Hello. Hellscape is haunted. (laughs) (laughs) We are reporting live from the surface of fucking Hoth. Yeah. Which is a Star Wars joke for those of you nerds. Hoth is in the second. It's all covered in ice because Jen, I could tell you didn't get that. Uh, no, I fucking know what Hoth is. Oh, I thought I would have to translate it to something Lord of the Rings for you. How dare you? <laughs> so it's kind of like when they were um, on the mountain pass of the. Fuck, what are those mountains? God damn! And then they decided to go through the mines of Moria. We shall let the ring bearer decide. I'm done. Oh, 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 oh are you done? <laughs> <laughs> is, the, is the most boring story over now, or have they just gotten right. halfway through right. the story Thin by taking fucking the fucking ice. eagles? Thin fucking ice is our friendship right now. Actually, the ice is quite thick. So thick. I actually... Okay, so the ice at my house is so thick that it's it's covering the snow mm-hmm. and my fat ass was able to walk across the top of the snow <laughs> to get to my mailbox like a solid eight inches between me and the ground just walking oh on icy snow God. yeah did you feel magical i was no i felt in great magical. danger <laughs> like, yeah. and everybody's sick and everything sucks and like i totally have seasonal affective disorder like i just want to go to sleep all the time yep is it, is it spring yet? It is not spring. But that goddamn God rodent said spring soon. To us. You know what? <sighs> Can you sue a rodent for, <laughs> I don't know, malpractice? I don't know. Everyone join me, crack open a beer, and let's toast to never leaving the house again. <laughs> Do I eat the dog first or my husband first? Mm. not the cat though the cat gets to eat all of us yeah all right well let's get out of this situation um jen this is our 51st episode we didn't have any fanfare for episode 50 because i don't think either of us really realized it (laughs) until later i definitely did not but 51 is rather significant in its own way again also for unplanned uh we didn't plan this. Episode subjects, like pregnancies, are sometimes mm-hmm. magical when they are unplanned. <laughs> yeah, sweetie, we didn't plan you, but you're a miracle all the same. That's right. And the reason that this one's a miracle is why for Jeff? Because we're talking about aliens. And Area 51, Episode 51. Do you guys get oh it? Do you? Oh my god. Uh, we totally planned this. It was intentional. So, all on. <laughs> super magical. This is this is perfect. Uh, do you believe in aliens? That's, I think, I feel like my my stance on aliens is similar to my stance on, on ghosts. Well, actually, no, it's a little different in that I feel like 
there are infinite possibilities out there. And so I, I feel like a little egotistical to say that we're the only ones in the entire universe. Right. That being said, I feel like most stories of UFOs are bullshit. Okay. I can, yeah, I could see that. Um, I am a believer because, of course I am. <laughs> because because we have to maintain our personas yes. in this show. Heaven forbid we deviate from our norm. Uh, <laughs> but I actually do have what might be an experience. Do tell. Okay. So the first thing you have to know about me is that I grew up in the deep country. <laughs> And mm-hmm. Jen, you like where I am now, where you are now. Do you remember when I drove you through my hometown? I do. It was, it, it was the country. You are correct. You're not <laughs> exaggerating. This. Nope. There. Well, my husband disagrees because mm-hmm. I'm compared to his deep country. I'm practically suburbia. Oh, that is. Yeah. But what was the population of your hometown? Uh, oh, less than 2000. Well, oh, so Cooper sounds like the booming metropolis compared to you. Yeah, you guys yeah. have a store, right? Or like a stoplight? Oh, yeah, we have a stoplight on Main Street. Nope, we do not. Yeah, we have exactly mm-hmm. one store. We and we have <laughs> like nine churches, a library. Nine churches, because it wouldn't be West Michigan without nine churches at least. And like two of them are Lutheran. Like no mm-hmm. one Lutheran church for two thousand people wasn't enough ridiculous mm-hmm. <laughs> but anyway uh there's no stop light there are stop signs we have one okay. store uh and an antique store end of list so you have two stores because one of them's an antique store or is the only store in town an antique store because that so, would also be poetic the one store that like is functional and you can like buy things that you need It's basically a grocery store. It used to be a gas station, but the gas pumps were leaking into the groundwater, so they had to take those out. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. My (laughs) elementary school went kindergarten to eighth grade, had Mm -hmm. 62 kids. Oh. Yeah. When I graduated eighth grade, I graduated in a class of six. I'm from the smallest town in the world. And so most people have quite a bit of land around their houses. But mm-hmm. there, um, my la- so we moved up and down the same road four times. <laughs> it's, it's a whole thing. And so the house that we spent most of our life at, which we'll refer to as the last house, mm-hmm. had probably half an acre on each side between, you know, our nearest neighbors and us. Mm-hmm. And so there's quite a bit of land in between houses. So my bedroom overlooked the north field. Our house faced west. I looked north. And I remember laying in my bed, looking out the window over the field between our house and our neighbor's house. And this huge, I don't know, probably imagine like a semi-truck used as a mm-hmm. compass like like as the diameter of a circle okay okay so a flying disc <laughs> about that no. size yeah like a semi-truck wow. turning in a circle uh-huh. lowered over the field by our house and the outside had running lights that were blinking and alternating uh-huh yellow and green and it got okay. really close to the ground Mm-hmm. 
And then it's like it noticed me. <sighs> like it, like the window or whatever the navigation system was, like turned towards me, saw me being awake, and it zipped out so fast towards the north. Fascinating. And so I wish I could be like, yeah, for sure that happened. But I might, I might not have been awake <laughs> i don't know i'm not sure if i yeah. dreamed it maybe you maybe you were awake but then the aliens made you think you dreamed it or maybe you were asleep and then they came to you in a dream that's totally possible totally yes. totally possible <laughs> so anyways that was my one experience i don't know i don't know i don't know if it happened or not yeah that's crazy yeah i uh yeah I do believe, though, by and large, I went with Dan when we first started dating. We went into a lecture at Grand Valley about SETI, S-E-T-I. Are you familiar with them? I have. I Literally all I know is that I've heard of that name. Fair enough. Uh, <laughs> SETI. <laughs> That's all I can tell you. Helpful. Very helpful. And the story of what I know is nothing. <laughs> I'm Purd Hatley. <laughs> Thanks, Purd. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, SETI is the institute that is the search for extraterrestrial intelligence. And, you know, mm. they work with Na- NASA and JPL and a bunch of other places. Do they? <laughs> they do. Actually, they say that? Fucking legit. Yeah. Okay. okay <laughs> when they okay, find, okay. like, yeah. for example, uh, they call it the wow frequency. Uh-huh. The, the idea behind intelligent life is that they will have comparable technology to our own. Mm-hmm. And since we use radio frequencies, they might be using radio frequencies. Gotcha. So they search for radio frequencies out in the universe. And they got one, I think back in the 80s. And it was just like this really weird bleep of radio stuff. Mm-hmm. They don't know where it came from. And whoever was monitoring it at the time, circled it and wrote, wow. <laughs> and so that's why it's called the wow frequency. Oh my God. They have nothing to accompany it. There's no follow-up transmission, nothing. Uh, but something, the search continues. I think someone just set off a smoke alarm in my house. Oh, I don't hear anything. <laughs> because, oh yeah, something's burning. Um, <laughs> Are you okay? But like, no, everything's fine. Someone's just making dinner and, and set it on fire. But um Literally, just as you were like saying that, oh yeah, this frequency came on. I just hear this very faint, like. Oh my god! <laughs> okay, everything's fine. Okay, don't I die. Don't, I, that that probably won't come through on the recording, but in case it does, guys. <laughs> right. Everything's fine. Everything, Jen, Jen, safe. Yeah. Okay. Continue. Sorry. Uh, that's kind of the end of it. I don't know. Sorry. Okay. All right. They, you interesting. Know, they're interesting. You should... Ke- oh, as I was saying, sorry, I remember now. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, I went to a lecture with Dan and Brian about SETI, which I was completely new to. They talked about the law of large numbers and how... Do you know... Are you familiar with the law of large, large numbers? No. So basically the law of large numbers is that the longer a test is run, the more likely mm-hmm. it will point to normal so okay the house it might lose money if you spin the roulette wheel once mm-hmm. but the longer you keep playing it is more likely that the house will win right yeah okay. okay 
-hmm. So that's the law of large numbers. The longer you do something, the more it tests tend towards normal. Gotcha. So the follow-up idea to that is that what are the odds of life? Hmm. So if if you think about all the planets and all the universes and all the suns that exist in the galaxies, the various galaxies, Mm -hmm. of which there are, I don't know, a couple hundred million? I genuinely don't know. There's a lot. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I don't think anyone does. There's there's like a holy fuck ton of stars and galaxies and solar systems. And it's expanding. And it is. It's always expanding. And so what are the odds that we are the only, I don't know, the only life-supporting planet? Yeah. See, that's what gets me is like, I I just, I don't, I'm with you with that, like the odds are. Like, statistically, I feel like it's almost impossible for us to be the only, literally the only planet in the entire universe that has intelligent life. Right, exactly. So that's... Or life at all. Another reason I'm a believer. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, I'm also, to my knowledge, (laughs) nobody has ever visited. There's no conclusive evidence Mm -hmm. that we have found life on other planets. Mm -hmm. I'm willing to be wrong. (laughs) Which is, yeah, you know, not something I'm always willing to say. I feel like I'm I'm like kind of ambivalent towards it, but I feel like as far as you know the the weird things that I believe in, I'm like I'm very casual about like aliens, but I honestly don't really care that much because I feel like the odds of me encountering it in my daily life is just very slim. So that's why I tend to be more interested in like the ghost stories and stuff like that. Yeah, I think as historians are, um, in his, yeah. in historic settings, we are more likely to come across the historical than the science fictiony. Mm-hmm. That being said, I did find some interesting stories. Start from online. the beginning. <laughs> all right, the um, all of my information today is coming from two of my favorite sources: Cracked.com, Hot Dog. Hot dog and how stuff works. So, first of all, a little bit like a, a, a brief background on this was under a UFOs in the government article on how stuff works. And so, uh, the government has kind of been investigating casually the possibility of aliens and <laughs> extraterrestrials, if you will, since. Like, basically, we've been in the air. Which so, makes sense. Yeah, it does. Like, I feel like the minute we start, you know, flying, that's when you're more, That's when you're looking at the skies more. That's when you're more concerned about satellites and planes and other. And that's also when there are a lot of other aircrafts in the air that can be mistaken for UFOs. So I think it's kind of twofold. So the Air Force has been investigating the possibility of, of extraterrestrial life since, really since World War II ended, as far as I can tell. It might have been older, I don't know. But there's been a bunch of different programs. There have been teams of professional debunkers and teams of like Air Force sanctioned people who are investigating the truth. I'll get in 
I'll get more into that a little later, but um, an interesting stat that I saw was uh, that about 1% of UFO sightings have been outright hoaxes. Really? Just 1%? Just 1%. So I think that's kind of like, it's encouraging in that I don't think there's a huge contingent of the population that's really trying to trick us. Like, well, I, I, I think to that end, you know, in the same way that I'm like, maybe this happened. I think mm-hmm. there's shaming to people who go out and say, yeah, this happened to me. Like, they've been painted as lunatics so frequently that mm-hmm. if somebody comes out and says that it happened to them, they're really not probably going to get anything positive out of that experience. Like, they're not going to yeah. get money. They're not going to get fame. Yeah, I think our society, like, in general, does not super celebrate people who come out and say, I saw aliens. Like, right. So I don't think there's a huge incentive to lie about it. There's also a chance that some of this is, like, not 100% accurate because they haven't been proven as hoaxes yet. You know, like, right. so it's, I'm, I'm sure it's a soft statistic, but I it was overwhelmingly low in my, um, and surprisingly so for me. So... That was encouraging. That being said, that doesn't mean that all of the reported sightings are real because there are a lot of other reports that were made genuinely, like, you know, people really thinking that's what they saw, but they later get debunked as weather balloons or stars or planets or advertising planes. Right. So, or it's, there was also a lot of different photography that similar to the ghost photography that we talked about ages ago can be just specks of dust or solar flares or you know stuff like that so there's yeah there's a lot of stuff to wade through when you're talking about ufo sightings but there was this one story that honestly i still cannot explain it's like one of the most compelling stories ever heard I mean, it's not like super earth shattering in the events that happened, but I think that's honestly makes it more credible because if you're going to see a UFO, it's not going to be like, and then I was abducted and probed and like, it's going to be like, oh, I saw this weird thing. and I don't know what happened. And then I was gone. So here we go. Right. <laughs> this comes from Cracked. So thank you to those people. This is the child's witted UFO encounter. Sorry if these names are horribly mispronounced. Childs, C-H-I-L-E-S, Witted, W-H-E-T-T-E-D. I don't know. That's my best guess. <laughs> they would have impossible last names too, wouldn't yeah. they? Why is it fuck? <laughs> Can't you just have normal names? Oh, I'm sorry. That was normal is bad. Um anyway. Normal well, okay. Normal is uh, very subjective. Why the fuck can't you include pronunciation guides to your last names? Ch- cracked. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There we go. Punch up. Maybe they don't know. So, 2.45 a.m., July 24th, 1948. We have two commercial airline pilots who are also World War II veterans, Clarence Childs and Charles Witted. They are flying um, a commercial airline southwest of Montgomery, Alabama, when they report over the radio having to, quote, evade what could have, well, this is not their quote, this is a quote from their article, (laughs) having to evade what could only be described as a giant flying dildo. (laughs) Shut the fuck up. What did you just say to me? (laughs) 
Okay, so I knew that would get you and all of our listeners' attention. <laughs> that is not what they said it was. They did not say it was a dildo. This was cracks. Um, oh, that's cracks uh, interpretation license. of what yeah, they... creative license. <laughs> sure. Okay. Yeah. Well, giant anyway. giant flying dildo is. Uh, going to be the episode title now. So. <laughs> yep, there we go. Um, so what they did actually report was a rocket-like ship, conical in shape, with two decks lined with square windows, which produced an almost blinding light from beneath the ship. The object at first looked like a distant jet aircraft to the right and just above them, but it was moving awfully fast. Seconds later, as it streaked past them, they saw something that Witted thought looked like, quote, one of those fantastic Flash Gordon rocket ships in the funny papers. <laughs> that That is a direct quote. That's cool. That's so 1948 that all of those references and the way he said funny papers. Yeah. Flash I believe Gordon. that that's original quote. Yes, for sure. They continue to describe it as a fuselage three times the circumference of a B-29 bomber. So that's, that's pretty big. big. A B-29 a- bomber is a huge plane. Yeah. I think that's the biggest one. Um, I think a B-52 is larger. Okay. Well, then why didn't they just fucking compare it to a B-52? We'll never know. Um, anyway. <laughs> Maybe a B-29 is I'm Listen, I am not an authority. So as we've just As we've discovered many a time, <laughs> there are subjects about which we do not know everything. Yeah. So a kindly... <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> no. <laughs> Actually, uh, science friends, tell us what you know. Well, more like uh, World War II buffs. Um, anyway. Wouldn't it be shocking if a World War II buff was listening to this? I, I don't know. We got a couple corrections on our World War II episodes, so I wouldn't be surprised. That's true. Um, anyway. Okay, so huge, huge thing, rocket ship that was, quote, powered by some jet or other type of power shooting flame from the rear some 50 feet. So imagine what you thought a rocket ship looked like when you were five. Blow that up to be three times the circumference of a B-29 bomber. And that's basically what they saw. Something super classic and Flash Gordon-y and looking like a flying dildo. Which you might immediately assume... Well, they just imagined what they thought a, a UFO would look like based on those Flash Gordon comics and the funny papers. Yeah. That makes sense. Except, except other people saw it, too. Oh, people, like, on their plane? So this was at 2.45 a.m., which oh. is not usually a time when most people are awake. So, right. unfortunately, most of the plane was sleeping. But there was one person who wasn't. And that person also reported seeing the same thing. And you could say, okay, maybe for some reason they decided, the three of them, to cook up this story. Except there was someone on the ground at a nearby Air Force base who also saw the same thing and reported it an hour before the pilots did. Uh-huh. See? Uh-huh. Yep. Mm-hmm. Although a nearby Air Force base is somewhat telling. I wonder if yes. it was an Air Force, like, experimental vehicle. So they, that's that's another thing. They, when they radioed that they saw this, they asked specifically if there were any experimental aircraft in the area, and they said no. Well, okay, but, like, would they tell the truth? 
I mean, this is air traffic control, so I feel like for safety, they they might not have to tell them what it was, but they might be like, oh, yeah, there's something. Okay. I guess that makes sense. I don't know. I'm making this up. I'm pulling it out of my ass. So <laughs> if I'm wrong, it's not my fault. Right. <laughs> another subject we don't know much about is the reporting of air safety yeah. controllers. Yeah. So another thing that they mentioned was that it flew next to them for a good 10 to 15 seconds before shooting up like 500 feet and getting lost in the clouds. So it wasn't just this like brief flash of like, oh, what was that? Oh, I think it was a rocket ship. Like they had a, from all the reports, they had a really good look at it. So that's weird. So the guy on the ground saw it and reported it an hour before the pilots did. Not only that, but there was also a reported sighting of it in the Netherlands. Oh, this thing gets around. Yeah. And that thing was reported a month earlier than the pilots. Oh. That almost seems a little too far apart to be sure it's the same thing. Yeah, so I don't know. Like, I don't think those pilots would be reading the Dutch news. Like, that's an, <laughs> like that's another thing where I just thought, like, oh, well, maybe they just saw it on the news. Right. And then that was on their minds and so maybe that's what happened but in and 1948 suppose, there really wasn't an international news yeah not like they'd there have is to today. be like getting the newspapers and yeah so i don't know how they would have possibly heard of it um yeah you're you also make a good point that being that far apart maybe it could have been an entirely different thing but as far as i can tell they reported seeing exactly the same kind of thing right uh, so. Roughly the same size, light coming from the bottom, extreme speed, flying dildo Windows. would all be, <laughs> yeah, would all be keywords. Yeah, that would leave a deep impression. I think. I think so. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, so the Air Force is onto this, um, and they're um, investigating it, along with other, you know, things that they're investigating. And so their first theory was that it was a weather balloon because that is their first explanation for everything, it sounds like. Well, and weather Um, balloons are kind of shaped like big dicks. Mm -hmm. But that was later retracted. So I don't know if that meant that they like could actually research where weather balloons were at the time or if they just decided no. I don't know. Well, I've never heard of a weather balloon moving at a particularly fast speed. Yeah. And I've never heard of one, especially moving at a fast speed, laterally. Okay. Yeah. Full disclosure, I don't really know what weather balloons look like or do. That's fair. So. They look like giant condoms, like half inflated, half deflated. Oh, so like dildos. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, mean, I mean. With like a something. huge reservoir tip, though, like quite bulbous. Mm. But you get okay. the idea. <laughs> so on brand. Indeed. So, but they decided that it wasn't a weather balloon. So they switched their theory to being a meteor, which I feel like makes less sense. Yeah. (laughs) Because those tend to be round and falling and not have windows. Although I can, I think that could explain the like flame behind it. But not that it would like travel next to it for 15 seconds. Right. Not like it wouldn't wouldn't (laughs) increase in speed. Yeah. You know, like, and it certainly wouldn't go back up. Exactly. The whole point of a meteor is that it's entered a gravitational field. And so it is thusly being pulled 
Yeah. Down. I mean, I think that could only be explained by the pilots being just like massively confused about what they saw. So, I mean, there's always a chance of that, but I don't. That's true. But even they didn't really seem to be convinced because after their investigation, the Air Force concluded that it was, in fact, an alien spacecraft. Sorry, what? They actually came out and said it was an alien spacecraft? The Air Force said that? I don't know how far this got because apparently they like submitted this report saying that, but then the higher-ups basically called bullshit on it. They just thought it was too unrealistic and it wasn't a good explanation. And so they basically said, no, it's not. And they said, just because it can't be identified doesn't mean that it's aliens, which is true. That's fair. Yep. That's fair. Could have also Um, been Russian. Could have been a number of things. mm -hmm, I mean, mm -hmm. 1948, we're looking at the beginning of the space race. Yes. So I think that is, there is not a mistake in so many of these UFO sightings happening at this time during the space race and during the Cold War, because... That is when we were putting weird shit up into the atmosphere. Yeah, we were figuring out rockets. We were literally Mm -hmm. forgiving Nazis. Like, Americans were like, all right, you killed six million Jews. We all make mistakes. We all make mistakes, but can you you get us us to the moon? Exactly. Can you help us fuck the commies? That's really Uh, what it came down to. Can you help us fuck the the commies by getting us to the moon specifically? And if you're not familiar for those, I believe it's Project Paperclip that Mm. was uh, to help uh, bring in literal fucking Nazis. Uh, I can't remember their names right now, but they helped us design the V2 rockets. I'm going to look this up because I do not want to besmirch his name if I'm incorrect. But was Warner Von Braun a Nazi? Um, that feels familiar. I read Hidden Figures a couple of years ago. And mm-hmm. no, I'm sorry, not Hidden Figures. Um, women of the Atomic Age, Atomic Girls, something like that. Oh, yeah. And yeah. they talked about Project Paperclip and working with. He was German, obviously. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Are you Googling right now? I'm Wikipedia-ing it, yes. I just, my main source of knowledge about him comes from um, the film classic October Sky. Oh yeah, no, he definitely was a Nazi. (laughs) Yep, okay, so Project Paperclip (laughs) also. uh, The Joint Intelligence Agency objective largely carried out by special agents of the Army CIC in which more than 1,600 German scientists Engineers, technicians such as Werner von Braun and his V-2 mm-hmm. rocket team were taken mm-hmm. from Germany to the U.S. for government employment, primarily between 1945 and 1959. Yeah. Yuck. But it got us to the moon. Yep, it did. Anyway, so this uh, was part of the um, official Air Force investigations. It was part of a project called... Project Sign, which later became Project Grudge, which later became Project Blue Book. Wow, that's a lot. Yeah. In Project Sign, there was a draft of something, I don't know, of a report that referred to what an officer remembered as a physical evidence case in New Mexico. But a superior yet again demanded that that be taken out. So the second draft relied solely on eyewitness testimony of what 
uh, of which the child's witted encounter was an impressive example. But what was this physical case in New Mexico? But Roswell. Yes! Of course! Roswell! I've driven through, but we weren't allowed to make any stops. Oh, I've never, I've never been, but it New sounds Mexico's a very pretty probably state. lovely right now. <laughs> uh, don't be so excited. They, it was definitely snowing in the southwest earlier oh, this well, month. So. Fuck. Okay. Well, but it's slightly warmer. I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? Guys, we need to really just fix what's going on with the world and the climate because we're all gonna die i just hope the aliens take us we just need just sorry to get political but we need this green new deal to happen or else we're going to die anyway back to aliens so i'm just gonna quickly i don't want to get too too deep into roswell because i feel like it gets really crazy there was a lot of crazy detail and then there was like a well maybe it's all bullshit so I'm let just me gonna- ask you a question before you get started okay Miss CW, are you watching the show? Oh, my God. I feel like the minute I start, I won't be able to stop. So, like, (laughs) it might be your new Riverdale. I see all the ads for it as I am watching Riverdale (laughs) because I'm obsessed. (laughs) It's fine. Guys, who do you think is the Gargoyle King? Sound off in the comments. Oh, my God. Okay. Anyway, back. Have you heard about this plot point? It's in Riverdale. It is the most, this is the most bananas season. Sidebar Nation. There's a whole overarching plot this season about this game that's basically a, a D&D substitute that they're calling Griffins and Gargoyles or G&G for short. And it's all real. You are such a nerd. I don't know why I'm friends uh, with you. I don't know why they introduced this plot. To what are popular kids in high school. <laughs> like It's like that's the least believable part about it is that everyone at the school is obsessed with playing this game. You are <sighs> such anyway. a nerd. Okay, okay, okay. So no, back to okay. Roswell. <laughs> I love you. Go ahead. There's like five people who are listening. They're like, oh my God, yes. I don't know. <laughs> so please talk to me later about it for the record the goblin king is david bowie gargoyle king oh the gargoyle king excuse you i don't care excuse you (laughs) we yeah i don't think that i think they knew they couldn't mess with the goblin king because that's its own thing entirely Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so roswell July 2nd, 1947, which, if you're keeping track, is almost exactly a year before the child's witted encounter. Oh, and I wasn't keeping track, so thank you. You're welcome. Um, So several witnesses near Roswell, New Mexico, observe a disc-shaped object moving swiftly in a northwesterly direction through the sky. And some people also reported hearing crashes. I don't know. So the following morning, Mac Brazel, a foreman of a ranch located near tiny Corona, New Mexico, rode out on horseback to move sheep from one field to another. Accompanying him was a young neighbor boy, Timothy D. Proctor. I'm like quoting directly from this How Stuff Works article. So I'm so, I'm credit, 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 TM, 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 TM. I just got lazy as I was taking my notes, so I just started copying and pasting. (laughs) As they rode, they came upon strange debris, various sized chunks of metallic material running from one hilltop down and 
something to another hill and running down the other side. So basically it looks like some kind of aircraft has exploded and debris is spread out everywhere. Gotcha. So the news gets a hold of it and they tell everyone that it is shocker a downed weather balloon right right okay of course of course it is so and but then the the government gets a hold of it um well they probably got a hold of it and told the news to tell everyone it was a a downed weather balloon so yeah the the air force the government is all over this they're trying to pick up every little last bit of evidence so the (sighs) These later reports come out, I think, sometime in the 70s. There was like a period of time where all these people who would have been directly involved in it were dying. And so they were like telling the deathbed secrets that or it's like it comes from like someone who heard it from someone. So these are all like much later secondhand accounts, which is. And I think there's also a law that says. After 25 years, top secret things have to be published? There is um, to a certain extent, but that doesn't automatically make everything public knowledge. There's there's a whole system um, for declassifying information, Okay, which I actually got to talk to someone who declassified things for the Ford Library. Um, it's a whole thing, and you have it's like a super high security clearance because you have to read through all these documents, and you have to dis- decide what is safe to declassify. It sounds super fascinating, but it's also an archivist job, which I don't want to do. So That sounds super cool. And they're working here in Grand Rapids? No, they're um, in Ann Arbor. Okay. And- I, I also don't think I could do that job because they have to keep all of these secrets. Like, you can't tell anyone. Right. Keeping like secrets I'm, is not what we're good at. Like, we have no, an actual I'm like, podcast. I'm okay at keeping secrets, but, like, only if I can tell, like, a few people. <laughs> For the record, if you tell me a secret, I'm going to tell Dan. Like, I have to. Yeah, I'm going to tell, like, my roommates and David. Like, yeah. that's, I'm sorry, it's going to happen. It's just... That's just the cost of doing business. It won't go any further than that. Yeah. <laughs> but I just need to tell someone. It has to go somewhere. <laughs> Which is why I could never have this job. Anyway, so I don't know. Maybe this stuff was declassified. Maybe. I think it was just also just kind of handed down oral history style. So someone, I don't know. He didn't really get introduced in the article. Or maybe I missed it. His name is Major Marcel. Marcel. Uh, the shell. Um <laughs> With shoes on. With shoes on. Tempted to read it all. No, I won't do that to you. But he said, quote, we found all kinds of stuff, small beams about three eighths or half inch square with some sort of hieroglyphics on them that nobody could decipher. These looked something like balsa wood and were about the same weight, though flexible, and would not burn. There was a great deal of unusual parchment-like substance, which was brown in color and extremely strong, and a great number of small pieces of metal like tinfoil, except it wasn't tinfoil. The parchment writing had little numbers and symbols that we had to call hieroglyphics because I could not understand them. They were pink and purple. They looked like they were painted on. These little numbers could not be broken, could not be burned, wouldn't even smoke. There was also described a metallic material that not only looked but acted strange. Uh, It had memory. No matter how it was twisted or balled up, it would return to its original shape with no wrinkles. 
One woman who saw a rolled up piece tossed onto the table watched in astonishment as it unfolded itself until it was flat and as wrinkle free as the tabletop. What the fuck? I know. And uh, they supposedly took a torch to the samples of the material, but they barely got warm and could be safely handled a moment or two later. <sighs> so all of this testing, by the way, is supposedly happening at Area 51 in Nevada. Which is why we got um, excited about the number which 51. Which is why we got excited. <laughs> um, now, I've driven past Area 51, I believe. It is still super major shutdown oh i mean it is for sure like they're for sure doing shit there like right regardless of what they're testing alien stuff exactly it they are definitely nec- testing other shit yes they're testing something well um, and that whole area of the country the southwest a lot of it is like so deeply abandoned all sorts of shit goes on out there i've been to white sands new mexico and mm-hmm. You know, it's a park. People go there. You're not allowed to, like, take the sand. Uh, Mm -hmm. But they are also doing, like, speed tests for new vehicles. They're doing... Right. uh, They used to do uh, nuclear testing there, uh, which I privately think is one of the reasons you can't take uh, soil samples. I'm not sure, though. Uh, That's just my little conspiracy brain clicking away. (laughs) But... Soil samples from like other countries and bring them back. You mean, or what, what do you mean? So you, if you go to White Sands, New Mexico, mm-hmm. you cannot take any of the mm-hmm. sand in like a bottle with you. Gotcha. Well, they did. They for sure did nuclear testing. Yes, but I'm not sure if that's that, that exact south. But like in the Southwest, that's where they did a lot of nuclear testing. Right. Um, and in the bikini, the bikini atoll. But still, like the Southwest, uh, we, I mean, we bury our nuclear waste somewhere in the desert out there. Mm -hmm. Uh, So there's a lot of creepy shit that goes on in the Southwest of our nation. Oh, for sure. Because it's like this huge desert and they're like, nobody will pay attention. Yeah. So there's definitely stuff happening there. It's all like top secret military stuff, which is concerning, but like also (laughs) where they would logically have to like... (sighs) Anyway, yeah, may or may not be aliens. So yeah, the Air Force tried to pick up every single scrap of aircraft that had crashed at Roswell. But allegedly two years later, the son of the original guy who like rode out on his horse to find it, he let it, quote, let it be known that he had found a few pieces the soldiers had missed and an Air Force officer demanded he hand over the stuff, which he did. Mm-mm-mm-mm. That's whatever, kind of boring. They found more stuff. But so, like, they're trying to keep it all on, like, severe lockdown. There, And then there's the whole part about them finding an alien body, which, like, honestly is kind of where they lose me because it's like, and it looked exactly like every alien that's been described. But then again, maybe that's where we got that idea of what an alien looks like. I don't know. We're going to circle back to that idea when I go in a little bit. Okay, please do, because I don't really feel like dwelling on it. So I'm just going to let you cover it. Right on. So, yeah, that, like, I was reading all this this whole, like, all this detail about this stuff, that, you know, the materials that wouldn't stay wrinkled and wouldn't burn and stuff. I was like, what the fuck? If, like, if this is true, like, that's, like, proof, isn't it? And then I was like, well, there has to be, like, information out there that is, like, 
trying to debunk it or an alternate explanation. So I, I looked it up and uh, so I, I looked, yeah, I looked it up in like the Britannica online thing because I wanted to know what the official story was. And they mentioned that in 1994, the Air Force admitted that they recovered material, it, that they really did recover material in Roswell at that time, but it wasn't a weather balloon. And according to them, it also wasn't a UFO, but it was part of a U.S. spy balloon, which was part of Project Mogul, which was an attempt to monitor anticipated nuclear tests by the Soviet Union. And in a 1997 report, they said the Roswell, which, oh, it was called the Roswell Report Case Closed. They ventured the opinion that the stories of alien bodies may have come from civilian witnesses who saw parachute crash test dummies, a severely injured airman parachutist, and charred bodies from an airplane crash during the 1950s. The report proposed that the witnesses consolidated the separate events, the Project Mogul materials, the crash test dummies, the airmen, and the charred bodies in their memories. So that's that's their explanation for it. I And I find that plausible. I honestly do too. <laughs> I mean... It's been decades. I think it's very easy for and these people and the, their reports to say, oh, yes, I saw this, I saw this, um, and be completely true because that's what they saw, but also for that to be separate events and it because Roswell has become such a thing yeah, for them to just, you know, assume that that's what they saw and that's the truth. So I thought it was fun. Fun little yeah. um, details of what might have been i i think that's fun i if i ever became president you know as president you're allowed to ask that's your first thing yeah i'd be like tell me what happened at roswell and then they'd tell me and i'd be like cool i quit and then you're like tell me who killed kennedy oh i already know the answer to that it was the cia (laughs) we'll do that sometime um anyway yeah so that is hmm Let's go to Roswell sometime, Jen. When we go to Vegas, we'll also go to Roswell. Oh, for sure. For sure. Perfect. You want to switch gears? Of course. All right. So a lot of the things that you talked about, I'm going to mention. Okay, perfect. But in, uh, how do I say this? Roswell and the Childs Wilder. What was their name? Childs Whitaker? Childs? Childs Whitted. Childs Whitted. Terrible last names. Um, So (laughs) those experiences were largely kept hush-hush. Mm-hmm. They were not public. They were not nationally uh, divulged news. Like, we in Michigan would not have heard about those. Yeah. This story is different. This story is the first widely publicized report of alien abduction in the United States. Oh, yes. The very, very first. Go it, on. <laughs> it's called The Hill Abduction, or... The Zeta Reticuli Incident. Oh my god. I know, it's already fun, right? Aren't you already enjoying it? (laughs) Yes. So this is the story of Barney and Betty Hill. And they were a couple from Portsmouth, New Hampshire. Barney was a postal worker and Betty is a social worker. They were an interracial couple in 1961. They were married. Wow, okay. Mm So big deal. Heavily involved in their Unitarian Church, members of the NAACP, and civil rights activists. Beautiful. I love them already. I know. I'm kind of a big fan. (laughs) The incident actually happened September 19th, 1961. The Hills were driving home from a long vacation 
in Canada. They had been mm-hmm. in Niagara and Montreal, and they were driving home to New Hampshire. Uh-huh. All right. I've been through those areas. Oh, okay. Uh, I, haven't, <laughs> I haven't been to Montreal, but I've, mm-hmm. you know, I've done Niagara. So south of Lancaster, New Hampshire, mm-hmm. Betty, uh, Barney's driving. Betty is seeing a bright point of light, and it's moving up and down erratically to the upper left of the moon. Okay. It's, it's so weird, and they also have their little dog with them, that she actually has Barney, yeah, she has Barney pull over to see what the fuck is going on and also to let the dog out, let him walk. Right, yeah, yeah. So they stopped south of Twin Mountain, and they took out their binoculars. Did your family carry binoculars in the car all the time? I Yeah, I think we did. My family, too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's definitely not something I do now. No, it died out sometime in the 90s. Yeah, same. Early 2000s. Same, yeah. our family as well. I think about when the time um, atlases stopped being in cars. Oh, uh, my family maintains an atlas. My mom thinks atlases are the sexiest thing in the entire world. <laughs> so <laughs> she loves a paper map, does mm. Sharon. She's funny. So they get out, they walk the dog, and they take out their binoculars, and they're observing this strange light. And they say that they observed an oddly shaped craft, like a disc. It had Uh multicolored lights, and it actually flew across the face of the moon. So it wasn't just up and to the left. It traveled Mm -hmm. across. And then the object seemed to see them. It rapidly just I know, right? Wouldn't does it made my arms it made yeah. just like whew, gave me the uh-huh, whew, uh-huh. <laughs> So it rapidly descends to where they are. They jump back in their car and they drive away through Franconia Notch. Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, have, I know, right? Um <laughs> Way to go, New Hampshire. <laughs> the Franconia Notch is an isolated, narrow, winding mountain pass. And the object descended again to where it took up the entire windscreen, like they couldn't see around it. And they were driving a 1957 Bel Air. Mm -hmm. So Barry's carrying a pistol because they're an interracial couple and traveling in America. So they're smart. Right. Uh, Barry has a pistol and he observes in kind of the front window of this craft, eight to 10 humanoid figures. Initially, yeah. Uh, He describes them as wearing gray uniforms, black capes, and he... (gasps) So they're like the Empire. (laughs) Star Wars references abound. Yay, it's... Oh, sorry, I clapped. (laughs) He also says that they have bluish lips and black hair, which is interesting. Wait, so that's reminding me more of uh, Galaxy Quest. (laughs) That's exactly what I was thinking. Oh. Oh, oh, if you haven't watched Galaxy Quest, everybody make time. Yes, please do. It's so, a classic. It is a cl- and and one of the best uses of Alan Rickman. Yes. All right. So God rest. Oh, R.I.P. Mm. We're being sad again. Keep it together. Okay. So Barry is frozen in place, and one of the aliens locks eyes with him, and seems to communicate for him to stay where he is. And to keep looking. Mm-hmm. And Barry is smart. And Barry says, fuck that. <laughs> and he runs back <laughs> to his car with his wife. And they peel out again. Uh-huh. As they're driving away, they have a shared memory lapse. They remember 
that the object drove over them, it flew over them at a high speed, and they heard vibrations and rhythmic sounds, and it altered their consciousness. Whoa. Three hours later, they came to. They were 35 miles away. With They're their driving this whole time? Well, they don't know. Oh. The binocular strap is ripped. Her clothes are covered in a pink powder. There are what? shiny circles on the back of their car. What? Like something had attached to it. <gasps> and when they put a compass later near those shiny circles, it would make the needles spin like mad. Oh my gosh. They're, they both had rips in their clothing and their watches never started again. That is why, wait, so like people could confirm this? Did other people see the powder in the other, and the circles? In the the powder, she put the dress out to hang and the powder blew away. Okay. But the rips, they kept, the scuffed shoes, they kept, the car, other people saw. Okay. So Betty, uh, in the following days, Betty checked out a book on UFOs where she discovers the uh, in this book, she discovers that there's a citizens council, the National Investigation Council of Aerial Phenomenon. And they were kind right. of an early uh, citizens group who were studying UFOs. I can only imagine what that group was like in the 60s. Mostly military, from what I can tell. That is not what I was expecting. I knew it! <laughs> and And there's a reason why. Remember, Jen, mm-hmm. this is the first story. There are okay. no nut jobs in this story yet. Everybody who's worried about the UFOs right. is former military at this point in time. You're right. Oh, okay. Now, it's also important to remember that the groups that are associated with UFO searches are almost all military. So uh, NASA, JPL, which, okay, they're a contractor. JPL is the Jet Propulsion Laboratory. Mm-hmm. The Air Force, the Navy, the Marines, they all deal with UFO activity. Hmm. I know. So, all right, well, TV fucking lies to us all the time. <laughs> right. Often people, like if you think of the movie Independence Day, mm-hmm. when you talk about people being alien abduction people, you think of like the crazy redneck guy who volunteers to fly his crop duster up into the plains. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Also, that's <laughs> one of my favorite movies. I know. I saw it with you for the first time. Really? You'd never seen yeah. it before? No. Did you cry through the speech? No, I didn't. Oh, you sh- I do love Bill Pullman, though. Oh, RIP. Hmm. Uh, Wait, is he? Yeah, I think so. Is Bill Pullman... We need to look this up and verify it. Either... I'm pretty... Bill Pullman? No. Maybe Paxton. No, not him either. One of them's Neither dead. Neither of them can die. Bill Pullman... Do, 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 do. He is still alive. Super alive. 65 right years old. Back. Okay, take that, I take right, that back. right back. Let's check on Paxton, though. I'm checking, checking. One of them's dead. No, Paxton cannot. Died February 25th, 2017. That's right. Okay. Oh, God. <laughs> he was in Titanic. Oh. oh, God. It's still so fresh. I know. I'm sorry. Oh, Bill. <laughs> Don't say that. I never knew ye. <laughs> I'm sure I'm not the only person who cannot remember which is which, but the Titanic guy is dead, not oh. the president of America. <laughs> God rest. All right, where was I before Titanic we took this little... Titanic was such a good movie. All right. <laughs> the greatest. The greatest film of all time. 
So military people are involved with the with the search for UFOs. Gotcha. So she gets involved. She writes to a Marine who was involved in NICAP, which is the Aerial Phenomenon People. Sure. And she starts having very intense dreams, dreams unlike she'd ever had before. She dreams of being marched through the woods by short grayish humanoids. Mm-hmm. They go up a ramp into a disc-shaped UFO. She and Barry and Barney were then separated and examined. The person, there was a leader alien and an examiner alien. The examiner alien spoke English. It was imperfect and heavily accented. He took samples of her hair, a lock of her hair, examined her Mm -hmm. teeth, hands, her throats, her nerves. And then he took a very sharp, long needle and stabbed it into her belly button, which she said caused her intense, intense pain. Yeah, no shit. Until he wagged a hand over her face and she no longer felt anything. So she asked the leader alien where they came from. And he pulled down a map, like a classroom, Uh you know, spirally map. And it was a map of stars that she remembered very clearly and could reproduce from memory. Mm -hmm. We're going to come back to that. Okay. So then they were led back to their car and they watched the departure. And that was all happening in her dreams. Okay, so just to recap, Mm -hmm. they had this experience on the road. They lost those three hours. And then, so then she's dreaming about this later. Yes. But this is like, she's dreaming about those three hours that she was gone? Exactly. Gotcha. Okay. So together, the two of them made trips back and forth to the White Mountains, hoping the White Mountains is the mountain range they were in, mm-hmm. hoping to find the site that would jog their memory. They eventually did find their capture site in 1965, so it took four years. Hmm. Now, during the course of those four years, they started to speak with other people inside their Unitarian church. They were um, Unitarians. <laughs> Unitarians do not shut anything out. Everything is possible to a Unitarian. Yeah. And I think that's nice. They're pretty dope. (laughs) They're dope. But one of the things that they had was a former military man who, he was a a poet. He came to their church to talk about his poetry and his experiences. And one of the things that he had experience with was hypnotism. Mm. Uh, Eventually, the Hills became comfortable with him. They explained what they had experienced, and he said, oh, yeah, 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 you need to go talk to a real hypnotherapist. And he puts them in touch with a Dr. Simon. Dr. Simon gave them their first hypnotism session January 4th of 1964. Okay. They have taped and released these hypnotism sessions. (gasps) What? Barry's are... I'm sorry, I keep calling him Barry. Um... Barry Goldwater. <laughs> um, it, it, uh, Barney. Thank you. Like the dinosaur? Yeah. Well, and Barney and Betty Rubble. What? Isn't that their names? Barney and Betty Rubble? Like from the Flintstones? Yes. No. Y- yes. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> I didn't know they had last names. The Rubbles as opposed to Fred I'm Flintstone? Sorry. Fred and Wilma Flintstone? I never knew their last names. Huh. <laughs> See, this is another reason that I'm too old to be friends with you. Listen, I watched the Flintstones. I just didn't pay attention to the surnames. <laughs> anyway, so they go under hypnotism. They tape everything. 
Barney's mm-hmm. experiences are very similar to that of his wife's. There are some key differences. We'll talk about those in a moment. Okay. Uh, they are also very emotional. There's hmm. one tape where if you are willing to sit through 20 minutes of them talking, he starts screaming in terror. Oh, okay. And 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 oh. he's I mean he's clearly horrified and it is shocking to listen to. Post that to our page later. So under this hypnosis, they both actually recalled the events with fair amount of accuracy to each other. Not accurate to their first report, though. Hmm. It was different from the dreams. His experience of the exam includes getting, giving a skin and hair sample, possibly because he was, uh, again, he was black. Mm-hmm. He, somebody also counted his vertebrae, and they put a cup over his genitals, which possibly gave him genital warts where the cup touched him. Some, okay. some of the reports I read talked about that. Some of the reports omitted it, and I wasn't sure. Mm-hmm. But regardless, uh, if... He got an alien STI. I mean, if aliens had given me STIs, I would not have kept it quiet for five years. I would have been yeah. fucking pissed. Well, especially if you're, I mean, yeah, like you want to tell your wife, like, listen, hon. Well, and... <laughs> was and... it me? It was the aliens. <laughs> right, 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 right. It was... They gave me me the clap. (laughs) Well, and and remember, they are an interracial couple in early Mm -hmm. 1960s America. Anything that is going to make them look less credible, like an STI, is bad for them. I got the space gonorrhea. (laughs) Susan. Like syphilis from space. (laughs) Terrible. Cup over the genitals. He doesn't remember having an orgasm, but he does think that they took a semen sample from him. Hmm. And then he, like I said, was very emotional. He was gestic- gesticulating and uh, screaming and very tense. Uh, it's hard to listen to. Hmm. This Dr. Simon had a conclusion, though. Uh, the conclusion is not that these people were actually kidnapped or abducted. Shocking. <laughs> but it actually, uh, that they were. Betty had been recounting her dreams so frequently that they were like a shared memory between the two. I mean, yeah, I was a little suspicious that this happened like a while later. Five years. It's, yeah, and that it's different than their original story. I mean, we, yeah, when you, when you, you know, share memories so frequently over so many years. Yeah. You start to kind of, Remember it yourself. Consolidate and congeal. Mm -hmm. And my mom has a story about the worst snowstorm that she lived through back in 1978, which was a terrible year for Michigan weather. Mm -hmm. And she has told me that story so many times that I personally remember it. (laughs) I would not even be a thought for another 11 years. Right. But I just, I know that memory. Hmm. So anyways, we have uh, these... Uh, all of this happened five years before they went public. Remember, it is within their best interest to not seek out the spotlight because you can right. get straight up murdered for having an interracial relationship in the yep. U.S. Mm-hmm. In the meantime, that star map. Do you remember when we talked about the star map? I do indeed. So that star map was replicated and circulated and it would eventually end up in Astronomy Magazine, which had not indulged in talk of aliens before this. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah. What, what, is, what did they have to say about it? Well, they were non-believers. Uh, their mm-hmm. editor put out a piece against it. Carl Sagan 
uh, was not a believer. Carl Sagan. In... Sagan, is that how you say it? Yeah. Uh, sorry, he was a as cool far guy. As I, know. <laughs> I know what his voice sounds like, but I've never heard anybody say his name out loud. But anyways, he was not a believer. He put a piece out about how this is bullshit. But a amateur astronomer whose name was Marjorie Fish actually took a look at the map and she decided that one of them had to represent our own small sun. So you, you're telling me that a, a woman was the one to be like, hey, maybe we should at least look at this. Right. And whereas all these men scientists were like, preposterous, nonsense. Yeah. This could never be. So as a fun sort of exercise for her, she, she theorized that their sun must be similar in size to our own sun. Mm-hmm. So she assumed that the other stars on the map were sun-like stars. And so with that in mind, she was able to create a 3D model that fit part of our solar system fairly well. Hmm. And amongst that fitting, and, and of course one of the things Carl Sagan says was that these are just random dots, there's no points for this, without these arrows that we've filled in, there's no point, blah, 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 blah. So anyway, Marjorie's like, well, here's what I came up with. And the only match that fit the map meant that they were pointing to a double star system called Zeta Recticuli. Oh. I know, it's fun to say. <laughs> it sounds spacey. So that's why the Zeta Reticuli incident is called the Zeta Reticuli incident. Gotcha. Apparently these small aliens came from the stars, the double star system, Zeta Reticuli. Well, have we gone there yet? <laughs> Considering we have not gone to Mars yet, no. Nonsense. We haven't even so much gotten out of our own yard. We yeah. can't make it to the neighbors. We're sure shit not going across the planet. <laughs> well, do we know how far it is? Um... I'm sure somebody does. But you didn't do this research? I'm Come sorry. on. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm planning my There was space a lot vacation. of numbers. I got scared. <laughs> now, do you think do you think once we um, destroy this earth, do you think we'll have to live on a new planet? Oh, I don't think we're going to get the chance. We're all going to be dead in like 100 years. Okay. See that yeah, that's my current my current conundrum is whether or not we'll like advance enough in space travel to go take over a different planet. Well, okay, so say we can advance far enough to make it to like a like a Wally style international <sighs> space system. Yes. Only yeah. rich people are gonna be able to go. Well see, that is my theory. Like, I people like yeah. you and me, we're gonna die on this planet. Oh, I know. It's gonna be Elysium or whatever the fuck that Matt Damon movie was. I didn't see it. Um but yeah, no, it's gonna be like so space trap this is my theory. I think that space travel will advance to a point where it's become the new cruise ship, like in the fifth element. Yes. And so, yeah, we'll have a bunch of rich people living on those cruise ships and then the earth will die. And then that's going to be the new government. They're going to just be the corporations that run those space stations. Yeah, I think that's absolutely where we're headed. No question. Mm -hmm. No question. So there are a couple of refutations to the Hills experiences. Mm-hmm. People believe that they might have had a kind of lapse in memory because it was a long drive. They'd been driving for 18 hours. 
Yeah. Which is, you know, that's a lot. That's That's, that sleep deprivation. It's also, have you ever heard of highway hypnosis? Oh, yeah. I mean, mean, you've probably even experienced it. Yeah. Yeah. I have a long ass commute to my job and I often will arrive home and I'm like, wait, shit, how did I get here? Like, I don't remember the drive. Yeah. Oh, so fun fact. The, like, you were, like, exponentially more likely to get into a car accident on your, like, home commute because your brain will, I think it's probably part of this hypnosis thing, but it's also a memory thing. Uh-huh. Like, the more times you drive a route, like, sometimes you're looking at the window and your brain is just filling in a previous memory slot like you're not even seeing like what it is currently you're just like going on autopilot hey that's terrifying and that's how a lot of people will get into accidents especially like on the streets near where they live because they're just driving around and they literally won't see a car because their mind is just like on autoplay you know i wonder if that's why so dan and i were just realizing that we don't know how many houses are on our street Holy shit. Yeah, like, think about it. We're, we're When we're trying to describe our neighbors to each other, oh, like, which one do they live in, which house, mm-hmm. we can describe individual families, but not really which house they're in, because all the houses on our street basically look the same except for ours. Yeah, I'm trying to, I'm trying to count now. Uh-huh. I feel like you're the... And you've been to my house loads. Several times. I feel like you're the... The fifth or sixth house down. We are, in fact, the sixth on our side. Hell yeah. But how many are on the opposite side? No idea, because I'm always looking at your side. Yep, because you're trying to find our driveway or whatever. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, so Dan and I are like, oh, okay, are they in the second house or the first house? Like, which are one of our neighbor girls walks our dog. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, well, which house is she in? We're going to take cookies over there. And I had no idea. I know... I know them, I know their family, but I wasn't sure which house they were in in relationship to our house. Were they three doors mm. down? Were they two doors down? Doors I don't know. Down. Every God, what a terrible band. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so we have this, this road hypnosis, and they're also going through mountain roads, which are winding, and things are repetitive. There's no real landmarks. It all looks the same. They also would have been under a great deal of stress. Remember I said he was carrying a pistol in his pocket? Yeah. That's not normal behavior. That's a sign that you are... If you're in America. Well, especially if you're interracial 1960s America. Yeah. It's a... Well, and it's like a different... Like, they're carrying a gun for a different reason. Like, for them, it is more stressful because they have a fucking reason to have it. Um, Right. But if you're just like in Texas and you're a 90-year-old grandma who carries one to church every Sunday, then like, different attitude towards it. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, so so uh, people think that they were very stressed out from being an interracial couple in 1960s America and that it was causing stress-related hallucinations, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Um, they also mentioned that there was a light. Remember, we started by seeing a bright light in the sky? Uh-huh. Where they were, they would have been able to see the light atop Cannon Mountain. And that light is like a street What is that? Light. Is that like the, the beacons of Gondor? Sorry. I don't know. I don't know what that is because I'm not a fucking nerd. But you watch Star Wars. Yeah. But I honestly, I haven't seen the Star Wars movie since I was like 11. Wait, then you haven't seen the, you've seen the new ones. Um, I watched the one that I hated with you. 
Oh, that's right. And okay, sorry. We can't talk about movies. Right, yeah. We can talk about Titanic. Titanic is our safe place. Titanic, Titanic. Let's go to our happy place. So anyway, anyway so lights atop on a mountain. mountain, there was uh, basically a, a very bright street light. And mm-hmm. in the wind, it would blow in erratic directions. So they are okay. hypothesizing that that's what she was seeing. And then it triggered all these other things. Wasn't it daylight? No, it's nighttime. Oh, I was just imagining it was daylight because that's what it was like when I drove Sorry, Vermont. yeah. They, uh, no, it was definitely nighttime. <laughs> uh-huh. In case I didn't see this, I think, I think it was like 1130 at night. Okay, well, that Sorry. makes a certain amount of sense. No, I mean, you didn't say anything. I just assumed. Definitely nighttime. They're also... Remember I said that things changed between her, their first report and the reports that they gave a Five number of years, years later. later. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. In between that time, 12 days before the, 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 what is the word I'm trying to say? The, the recording. The hypnosis. The, yep, the hypnosis. There was an, outer, an episode of The Outer Limits that premiered on television. Really? In which aliens came to Earth... Mm-hmm. The the new report, the changes in the report between remember in the dream they had hair, mm-hmm. they were gray skinned, blue lipped, wearing black. So now they had no hair, no ears, mm-hmm. gray skin, and what's described as wraparound eyes. Okay, so like the Roswell alien. Exactly. So mm-hmm. that same sort of thing, which was inspired by Roswell was also used in the movie Invaders from Mars and The Bifrost Man. Okay. So there's this idea of shared inherited memory where Mm -hmm. the details of Betty's dreams are informing the subconscious of Barney. And also Mm -hmm. these things from culture are part of Barney's memory as well, even if they didn't necessarily actually happen. So... Hmm. And, and ever since then, that same popular idea of little gray men is now over half of what Americans believe that they've seen. So, wow. Let's see. I have some facts here. Hey, lay it on me. Before the popular Hill case, only mm-hmm. 7% of Americans believed that aliens had visited our planet. Okay. Today, more than half of American adults believe so. Really? Mm-hmm. So you That's are in lot. the minority. That is a lot. That is That's more than I expected. Really? It actually seems low for us. Um, I just... Maybe I just don't know enough people personally who think they've seen... Who think they have seen aliens? Um, or that they just, just that believe, aliens have visited. Gotcha. They okay. believe that aliens have visited. Well, sound off. I know, I wanna, I'm curious what yeah, people think. I'm sure that this will be discussed in the group. Between the Hill case and 1987, there were 300 reported cases of alien abduction. Mm-hmm. And of course, there's no database. There's no official count. Uh, it's just what these people could find. Of those 300 cases, all 300 reported aliens similar to those uh, reported at Roswell and with the no hair, no eyes, wraparound skin, gray or wraparound eyes, gray skin. Uh, so again, it's lodged in our memory <laughs> And it's become mm. the de facto thing that we think we see. Yeah. You know, so it's become less reliable. 
but also possibly more reliable. You know, how many people had, like, we are more likely to believe in mm. ghosts because every culture around the world has an experience with some. That is a good point. So it's hard to say. I mean, we're trying to drink out of both sides of the cup. Mm -hmm. We're saying yes and no based on the same evidence. Well, I mean, that is like really where this podcast lives. Yes, that's true. (laughs) So this is our gray zone. Yeah, this is where uh, this is our bread and butter is stories where we're like, huh, maybe, maybe (laughs) not. Who knows? But I think that's I think that's a good way to go about things. I don't I'm suspicious of people who are too sure either way. So, yeah, I think that's fair. All right. Uh, Well, that's what I got for you, Jen. That's uh, that's the (sighs) Hill case of that was Zeta Reticuli. Super like, okay. so you suggested this topic. I was a little like hesitant because I just like it. I, I will freely admit that aliens are not really my thing, mm-hmm. but I was like weirdly super interested in this. So I thank you for suggesting it. I You're it was welcome. Yeah, I feel like I'm running out of ideas sometimes, but I'm glad we did this because I enjoyed talking about it too. Yeah. So let us know what you think. I'm very curious to hear people's stories. If you want to find us on Twitter, we're haunted underscore pod and we're on Facebook and Instagram as this podcast is haunted and we have our not so secret discussion group. This podcast <laughs> is haunted discussion group. Come hang out with us. Be cool. Yeah. Uh, we're just like hanging out there, making friends, shooting the shit. Um, and we're, we're not going to do a, a listener story this week cause we're tired. Well, but we'll get back to it. Um, and if you want to email us a story uh, you can find us at this podcast what the fuck am i doing this podcast is haunted at gmail.com is our email address we are tired listen to that man how many times oh my have god we said that email i like got one word into it and i was like what the fuck is the name of our show <laughs> that's bad that's it's bad. so bad guys oh we're so tired i'm sure that it's like the most obnoxious thing for people to tell you in the world but i'm sure many of you can uh sympathize so yeah we all have seasonal affective disorder. We're going to be okay, people. It's just Spring been a is coming. Long winter. Spring is coming, maybe, or we're all going to freeze. Shut up, Jen. Everything Why did you say that? Fine. Everything is fine. All right. Well, uh, summer that, is coming. I'll be done with school. Hopefully, we'll get a job. Oh, my God. All right. Well, now I'm. Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, it's worst. a bummer. Everyone, go hug someone you love. Okay. <laughs> Until then, stay spooky, motherfuckers. See you in two weeks. Bye.